Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is the Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Good morning, everybody. It is Friday, August 7th, and the latest edition of the Muni Lowdown, the latest on distressed Muni debt. So welcome, everybody. I'd like to welcome two participants to our show today. We have Kathy O'Donnell from Harrisburg, PA. Kathy, how are you? I'm doing well, Young. How are you doing? I understand you don't have too much power there. I don't have any power, but I'm going to keep on trucking and do the podcast. So I am at an undisclosed location, but I can. But thank you for asking. Uh, but we're going to uh, soldier on. And also we have from San Juan, Puerto Rico, who's used to power outages, unfortunately, uh, Ava Lorenz. Ava, how are you? <laughs> Fine. How 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 are you? I am. I am. Uh, as a matter of fact, I have electricity. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically. Yeah, that that's good. Let's let's keep our fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. So the Wi-Fi here kicks in. Mm-hmm. So, ladies. So I know both of you collaborated on a story on the beautiful state of Hawaii, which I've been to, uh, the Aloha State. And I'm going to start with you, Kathy. Um, Kathy. So you and Ava did some reporting this week on as I mentioned, the big state of Hawaii, a taxable deal. And I know tourism is a big part of the island's economy out there. And clearly COVID-19, to state the obvious, is it good for that? So, but but I heard the deal was upsized. Tell us all about it. Yes, um, the deal was uh, upsized to $995 million from $900 million earlier. And uh, spreads ended up being uh, a good bit tighter than levels that were, you know, circulating that we saw on um, early Wednesday morning. For example, in the 10-year maturity, 2030, uh, they initially, I think, were talking roughly about 100 basis points over comparable U.S. treasuries, but it ended up tightening to 85 basis points over. So, you know, 15 was pretty, um, that was a, a little bit tightening there. So, and the deal, you know, continued kind of the parade of taxable deals that we've seen of late. Um and a portfolio manager I spoke with said, you know, the size of the par amounts on each maturity of the deal was likely to attract um, what she referred to as, quote, the big boys to the deal, uh, including some taxable bond funds. And, um, you know, that has been kind of a, you know, the taxable theme has been, you know, quite the, the theme of late in the muni bond market. I know when I spoke to Peter uh, Block for a story I was doing, I think, back in June, he was, he, you know, said that, um you know, uh, the taxable muni bond issuance, which was once kind of reserved to finance things that didn't qualify for tax exempt financing, that had increased by 257% year over year um, through June 19th of this year. Um, and uh, as of that time, it, you know, represented 26% of uh, total gross new issue supply year to date. So certainly has been something that has been increasing here. And uh, at Schwab, uh, Cooper Howard uh, recently had a, a good piece kind of on taxable munis and how they offer attractive yields relative to some other fixed income investments. But the portfolio managers that I spoke with in reporting this deal this week, they really didn't see themselves participating. One manager said that Hawaii tends to out-trade its rating, and he didn't see much value for his clients at the current spread levels. And another portfolio manager uh, cited the fact that so much of the state's revenue is tied to tourism. And as she put it, you know, tourism has, quote, come to a screeching halt, unquote. 
And I know that in the reporting this week, Ava found some pretty sobering statistics regarding the impact of tourism on the island stemming from the pandemic. Yes, and I'll get to Ava in a second. But Kathy, I know your time is limited. You've got a lot of work today on, at a, at a busy, in a busy market. So Kathy, thanks for your time, and we'll talk to you again. It's good. Thank you all. Take care. Bye-bye. So, Ava, tell us what you found. How bad is it out there, and why, and why would the state bring a deal of this size when there is understandably they would be concerned about how the pandemic was impacting a key revenue source such as tourism? And why did it decide to bring a deal of this size now? Well, uh, Roderick Becker, the administrator of the Financial Administration Division of the State of Hawaii's uh, Department of Budget and Finance, he told us that the bond sale generally follows the state's issuance plan and provides funding for the state's capital program. And he said that low interest rates and market fundamentals were considerations in sizing the sale. And nonetheless, it, there is no question that Hawaii's economy, which is heavily dependent on tourism, has been severely impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. In March, uh, Governor David Ige declared a state of emergency and ordered the closure of non-essential businesses and, uh, and government activities. Uh, all individuals, residents, and visitors arriving from out of state to Hawaii have to undergo a mandatory 14-day uh, self-quarantine. And this is effective until the end of the month. And as a result, visitor arrivals to Hawaii, according to the statistics provided by the state, dropped from a range of 30,000 or an average of 30,000 to 35,000 people a day to an average of 200 in March. And it has risen slightly to between 400 to 600 people a day in June and 700 to 900 people per day in July. And now Hawaii's Department of Business and Economic Development and Tourism forecasts that Hawaii will have 3.4 million visitors in, in this year, which is a decrease of 67, almost 68%. It also forecasts some 6.2 million arrivals in 2021 and 8.3 million in 2022 before it gets back to normal. Right now, their average is like over 9 million people visit the state each year. And tourism is not really expected to recover until the second half of 2021 with the arrival of, of the cruise ship visitors. As you know, the cruise ship industry is virtually paralyzed because of the pandemic. Uh, the unemployment rate in Hawaii as of May of this year was 23.5%. That was the those were the, that was the most recent statistics, and that is compared to 2.5% in March of last year. Uh, the preliminary number for June is 13.9%. So it continues to be a two-digit unemployment rate. Now, government, government revenues have gone down too. For instance, uh, the government reported that in May of this year it collected $438 million, or half of what it collected in May of last year. And of course, um, for, uh, for this year, there will be, the state predicts a negative growth of about 7% uh, and negative 12% in fiscal year 21. Now, the government also predicts the economic growth will decline by 12.1% in 2021. However, the state has received um, some 
$8.1 billion in federal assistance from the CARES Act. Um, state officials have also said they have sufficient liquidity because they have $5.9 billion in deposits, as well as the rainy day fund that is about uh, that totals about has a balance of about $403 million, although part of that money was used to deal with the COVID-19 pandemic. So Becker says that the bonds are constitutionally guaranteed and that, of course, the principal and interest will be a first charge on the state's general fund. So they're pretty sure about the fact that they're going to be able to, to pay uh, this, this uh, bond issue. Mm. Well, that's good. I mean, like you said, the numbers you just stated are, are huge drop-offs uh, for tourism. And mm. that's obviously not just Hawaii, yes. uh, but it mm-hmm. also impacts you know, other nice locations like where you are now. So, so thank you for the work on Hawaii. But let's shift over to where you are in, in Puerto Rico. I know you cover Puerto Rico and a lot's been going on. So tell us briefly what's been going on in on the Commonwealth. Well, um, uh, next Sunday, uh, we're going to have the gubernatorial primary for the two main political parties, the New Progressive Party, and the pop- which, which advocates for statehood and the Popular Democratic Party, which defends the current status. And uh, there are five different candidates uh, for the top party positions. This primary comes at a time when Puerto Rico has been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, the se- sequence of earthquakes and aftershocks that continue to affect our Western cities. And I don't have to tell you, we have one last night, and the hurricane season, which was marked by a recent tropical storm that caused a series of power outages. Um, these, all of this has caused the suspension of political rallies and activities that serve to bring voters to the polls or motivate them to vote. And as a result, um, the, uh, uh, voter turnout is not expected to be high, and different party officials have come up publicly this week in different media outlets encouraging voters to go to the polls and vote. And as I mentioned it last night, we were hit by a 4.8 magnitude earthquake and it has caused uh, some damage in um, specifically in the city of Ponce. Um, so we're still trying to ascertain, um, the officials are still trying to ascertain uh, the damage caused by that earthquake. But it's not expected to be big, and of course, we haven't had any casualties so far. Good to hear. Yeah, and of course, one interesting development this week is that five Democratic uh, and New York State lawmakers asked the New York State Attorney uh, General Letitia James to investigate certain groups of Puerto Rico bondholders for insider trading, and they sent a letter uh, the, the letter was signed by Representatives uh, Alexandro Castillo, Nidia Velasquez, Caroline B. Maloney, Jose Serrano, and Adriano Espaillat. And they pretty much told, said, alleged that uh, New York-based hedge funds may have been engaging in insider trading and using PROMESA to, um, in the restructuring process to artificially manipulate bond markets. Now, this was something that was raised a few months ago, and Deb Wire published it by a certain by the Unsecured Creditors Committee, uh, which pretty much raised the fact that uh, some of the hedge funds may be using information obtained from uh, mediation 
uh, to benefit. So they and they raised it at the court, and that is the reason why uh, uh, Judge Laura Taylor Swain asked for more detailed information on the economic interests of the hedge fund. So let's see what happens with this investigation. Yes, definitely. Um, like you said, it's a very interesting uh, thing to go after. And also, the primary index should be imp interesting, too. So that's a lot of development going yeah. on. All right, Ava, yeah. thank you so much for your time. Uh, stay safe down there, and we'll talk to you again. Okay, thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Bye. And that is our show for today, Friday, August 7th. Many thanks to Kathy O'Donnell in Harrisburg, PA, and Ava Lorenz in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Uh, thanks to our producer, Christian Ayala, for making us sound good. Uh, thank you to the local lo public library for giving me Wi-Fi to do this recording while I lost power. But anyway, for those of you out there who are affected by the hurricane this week, hopefully you've got your power back, um, you're safe, and nothing. no one got any major damage. Uh, but again, thanks for listening. Uh, tuning in week after week for the latest on Distress Mini Debt. Stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Mini Lowdown with me, your host, Young Lim. If you want to know more, subscribe to DebtWire.com and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share. Join us next week when we talk about the latest in the municipal bond market.